I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, one and all, and welcome to Book Off, now in our fourth series. I'm Joe Haddo, and if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. And if you like what you hear, do check out some of our backlist from the last couple of years. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. It's great to have you back with us. In this episode, I'm joined by an author who has sold over four and a half million books worldwide and is published in 25 languages. Lisa Jewell, welcome to Book Off. Thank you. And also joining me, an actor who many will have seen as Mabel Lane Fox in Downton Abbey and who has just published her first novel, Catherine Stedman. Hello to you. Hi, thanks for having Lovely me. Lovely to have you both here. Uh, and welcome to our little cubby hole. The door is locked, uh, and no one is going out until we have booked off. That's the, that's the <laughs> <Trapped>. deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and three Londoners sat here, and I believe two dog lovers as well. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. What have you got, Lisa? I've got a koiko huncha. What did I that? A koiko huncha. What is describe, please? Uh, a koiko huncha is a Dutch spaniel. Um, oh. It translates translates as small duck trap dog so it has a a big white tail and its job in the olden days was to lure ducks into a duck trap they would follow its tail wow yes does he get up much get up to much of that or no i've taken her to look at ducks (laughs) and she expresses no interest in the ducks she's not bothered about the ducks more interested in cats and foxes (laughs) and kathy you've got a small small yeah i've got a long-haired chihuahua Oh I, lo- oh, I used to have one when I was a teenager. Oh, I love yeah, long hair. They're always. very cute. Yeah, she yeah. gets mixed up with a Pomeranian quite a lot. But yeah, she's a good good doggy. Oh, oh they are. Chihuahuas <laughs> no, are awesome. No dogs in the studio today. It's shame. Which is shame. But yeah. so, you know, we'll do the dog podcast another another yes. time. Dog off. Get, uh, yeah, dog, dog off. Yeah, dog off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, I could do that. I could easily do three minutes on selling you a koi kombucha. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought I'll, I'll write that down in the ideas book, <laughs> yeah. actually, for another time. Um, yes, because later on, as I said, we, we're going to be doing the book off. And, and this, for anyone who doesn't know, is where each of my guests is going to get three minutes on the clock to pitch us a book they absolutely love and they think that we should all read. We'll come to that later, though. Before that, I want to talk about your books. Um, and Lisa, we should talk about the anniversary as mm. well, because um, this summer it's 20 years since the yeah. publication. May the 6th. Was, May the 6th was, was, the, the was the anniversary. Yeah. And this is the 20 years since your debut novel, Ralph's Party, came out. That's correct, yes. Where's that gone then? I have literally no clue. <laughs> I don't understand. 
<laughs> I'm so, I'm so very old. <laughs> <laughs> it's ageing us all. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, 1999, I can't believe it really. Yeah. In a way, it does feel like 20 years. And I think a lot of that is because of the, you know, the developmental arc of my of my writing yes. uh, you know it, looking back on what I was writing 20 years ago it's another world away so in some ways it does feel like 20 years and in other ways it just feels like it was two minutes ago when you've got a sort of canon of work like you do you ever go back and read them some of the early ones N- no and actually <laughs> no like really very specifically no <laughs> and in fact I wrote a sequel to Rouse Party um, about 10 books ago um, called After the Party and I thought, well, obviously, the first thing I need to do before I start writing the sequel is to read Ralph's Party again. And I got a paragraph in and I just slammed it shut. And I cannot look at this. I cannot think about this. But excruciating. Excru- I can read like two books back. So mm. I could pick up I could pick up a book, the two or three books back and quite enjoy it. But when it going gets, that far back. Going that far back, it just, yeah, makes me feel a bit uncomfortable. So what are we on now? Number, number 17? Yes. The, the Family Upstairs is... My 17th, yes. Goodness me. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's good, isn't it? <laughs> it's all right. Uh, and we're going to talk about that book and those characters very shortly. And Catherine, um, mm. you're a, an actor, that, as we know, but also now an author, is writing something that you've always wanted to do as well as actor? Um, I think, uh, you know, when you're at school, it's tricky because no one sort of sells any of these jobs as, like, viable <laughs> careers. I knew that I wanted to... Oh, this is going to sound really wanky can you say wanky you can say whatever you want um but uh yeah i knew i wanted to be a storyteller and um i thought the best way to do that was to sort of you know get into acting and tell stories through that medium and then i i had a couple of months off uh it was like two years ago now and uh, i thought i'm gonna give writing my own stuff a go and uh I didn't tell anyone I was doing it because there were a lot of actors out there who were writing uh, a book and uh, I didn't want all those questions and, you know, how's it going? How's the book going? Uh, so I, I I wrote it and then after that I um, I was just so pleased that I'd written that much. Like the first time you write a book, you're like, I didn't even know I could write that much. And um, yeah, and, and uh, I let a couple of people read it and I was like, yeah, this is this is a viable career and I can tell stories this way as well. So, yeah, because it it, it, it's it's weird. The first book, you know, you in a way you you cannot tell anyone because yeah. it's so personal. I imagine you probably didn't tell that many people. I don't know when I you were told right. everyone. Oh, you told everyone. <laughs> right. OK, because <laughs> because you just wanted them but- to. I, I needed Encourage that. You, yes, yeah. I needed that weight of expectation. Yeah. I needed right. every time I went to the pub for everyone to say, "So how's it going?" <laughs> oh God! Yeah. So I would have to actually, and I also had the friend who made me the bet to write the first book in the first place. I was giving her a chapter at a time as I wrote it, so I had that as well. So she was waiting for me to email her chapters. Oh, that's great. How, yeah. how often were you sending her a chapter? Were you? I was writing a chapter a week, I guess, or nice. a chapter every okay. couple of weeks. So mm. I would just send them to her. Um, yeah, no, I needed that. I absolutely mm. needed that. And what was incredible to me as, you know, a flibbity-gibbet 27-year-old um, secretary was how seriously people took it when I said I was writing this mm. book and how encouraging people were. And they actually, you know, talked to me as if I could I could seriously pull this off, which I found really encouraging. Yeah, so, that's great. Yeah. yeah, I think as an actor, you're already too used to people yeah. saying, how's it going? Yes, <laughs> yes. how's it going? I was like, I don't need that Are again. Are you working? <laughs> So who was the person that you gave it to 
first then when you'd finished your draft? Um, well, um, I married and uh, my husband's a writer uh, and I did not give it to him first because <laughs> um, I wanted him to continue loving me. Um, and I didn't know if he would if I if I gave it to him. So I knew my mother had to continue loving me. So uh, <laughs> I let her read the first chapter and then she was like, this is great, you should write some more. And then I gave her the whole manuscript. So um and then she was like you have to show it to show it to your husband so i did <laughs> and he still loves he you. still loves Hi. me Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and is he does he write fiction or is he uh yeah he, he's um fiction fiction writer and an actor as well um oh, you're and, made for each other yeah well yeah well some people say that some people say like oh i don't know how you could do the same job but it's, it works for us um it's kind of nice we can sort of like you know spitball things and you know uh we we know like what deadlines mean and yeah. we know someone's in charge of cooking someone's in charge of <laughs> being in the office yeah it's, uh, it's a good sort of division of labor yeah. i know a husband and wife who uh, shared an office once but it didn't mm-hmm. last that long the office <laughs> sharing not the oh, marriage no. <laughs> yeah. uh, i feel like that was a step too far oh them. no i i my husband has an office in our house and i work at the dining table and i, I do love him very much but if he wanders down into the dining and towards the dining table to chat i actually wish him to die get up, <laughs> get out. I, I don't yeah i love you very much please go away immediately i do not wish to see you right now yeah. um yeah to the thought of actually being in the same room with him is just horrific yeah, <laughs> yeah. you can tell like you can tell when someone's finished a chapter because noises start yeah, in the yeah. house and you're like shit <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> there's that there's that off kilter thing as well of like oh you, you're really in the in the flow of something you might be like i'm just i've just yes. got this finally at three o'clock yeah mm. and That's i need to exactly go go it. go yes and they might be thinking oh yeah. i'll do a cup of tea now yeah. Yeah. That, you know, that is precisely exactly what happens. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that. that. <laughs> uh, really come on, really come on, Tom. Uh, let's talk about uh, the books then, Lisa. Let's talk about the family upstairs because you're you're quite drawn to the themes of family and unreliable yeah. parents, and your latest yes. is no exception to that. I would say, yeah. Yeah, and this new novel, the family upstairs, and a couple of your previous books have been quite dark. I'd say, I'd say that, yes. a little bit. What's drawn you to this style, which is very different if we're thinking 20 years ago to the first book that was published? Well, and in fact, when I sat down to write Ralph's Party, it was going to be a psychological thriller. Ah. Um, But I just wasn't in the right headspace for it. Plus, my friend who was waiting for the chapters was just, you know, guiding it into a much, much more golden place. And then, of course... I became known for writing these sort of heartwarming romantic comedies, um, but I'd all I've always liked dark stuff. I've got a really strong stomach for really dark things. Um, you know, American Psycho is a walk in the park for me to read in London. Um, so it's just been a matter of just time and evolution, and also um, serendipitously being um, without an editor at my publisher and the only editor who could take on a new writer was their crime editor <laughs> and so she's been very encouraging um, she's allowed me to yeah really really move into she knows how to publish crime so mm. for her it's much easier if I'm writing um, crimey novels because she knows exactly what she's doing with them so it's just been this very very organic lovely evolution from one genre into another without having to Say, I am changing genres, yes. or here's my yeah. new pen name, or anything like that. To make a real statement about it, yes. it just happened. Yes, it's just happened, and mm. it doesn't feel like I'm doing anything inauthentic. I've always liked, as I say, I've always liked writing, reading, watching mm. dark things. So, yeah, this is just normal for me. So, American Psycho, you mentioned yeah. that. Is that is that a sort of 
a favourite of yours? Is that a book you might go back it's to? It's not, but it's like a benchmark in terms mm. of I didn't find anything in that even vaguely upsetting. Um, so therefore, because it's such a controversial book. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Um, but also just being that far inside the head of someone like that, which is something I'm really discovering that I like doing. Right. I offer my first few psychological thrillers were much more told from the point of view of the people who were the victims of the bad people. Um, I'm getting very, very into spending time in the heads of the of the of the you know the sickos. Yeah, um, more fun, isn't it? Oh, as a writer, so much writer. more fun. Yeah, it just it just pours out to me. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when I'm in their voice, because I always I always tell the stories from a, n- a number of perspectives, and when I'm in the point of view of the, of the bad person, that's those are the easiest, most fun chapters to write. Catherine, your debut, Something in the Water, is is a right old page turner. Um, and it, it, is this the sort of book that you like yourself, that, yeah. that style as well? Um, yeah, it is. I, I, when I started writing it, I just decided I wasn't going to try and uh, write to any sort of remit other than that I would keep reading it uh, from page to page. Um, so, yeah, I wanted it to be... Um, a story uh, about an every woman caught up in an adventure. So I wanted it to be... Um, you know, uh, very high stakes, but I wanted everything that the protagonist did to be something that um, the average person reading the book would be able to do themselves. So Mm. there's a lot of like pretty extreme stuff happens in the book. But again, it's all very well explained um, in terms of like, there's uh, one section where she uh, teaches herself to... um, to uh, pull apart a handgun and put it back together and uh, to shoot, which she learns how to do from uh, YouTube, um, <laughs> which is perfectly possible to do, wow. um, as you will see if you have a look on YouTube. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I just wanted it to be a book where you're sort of learning things that maybe shouldn't be learning um, and going on the adventure with the character. Yeah. And this is this is Erin and, and Mark, who are the couple at the centre of the book. Yeah, yeah. Erin is a documentary filmmaker and uh, she's just about to marry Mark, who is uh, uh, an investment banker. Um, but as the story starts, Mark loses his job in the financial sector. And uh, they're, they're comfortably well off at the beginning, but they suddenly realise their whole way of life is probably going to change, which Erin is fine with, Mark less so. Um and I was interested in that idea of, um, uh, you know, uh, a toxic max- mas- masculinity and um, the idea that, you know, so many men do commit suicide and, um, you know, that thing about you losing your job and losing your sort of identity and, and how delicate a subject that is. And, um, yeah, I like the idea that Erin um, is sort of, she's trying to help him through that, but it's so difficult to do that. Mm. Um and then this this godsend appears, this something in the water, which could change their entire lives. And all they have to do is, on a sliding scale of things that are wrong in life, not that big, uh, or so they think. And uh, the, like, the decisions they make uh, when they find the thing in the water uh, end up changing them as people. Um, although I like the question of were they always that way and did they just need to be tested? Um, the idea that um, I don't know, like a cultural sort of predeterminism, um, like do we all have the capacity, and is your upbringing and what you've been through just, you know, who you are at the end of the day? Mm. Um, so yeah, like I liked all those questions, and I, I like the idea of the the reader going through it and going, would I do that? <laughs> Shit, maybe I would. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and those things just really interested me. Yeah, I've 
just started watching series two of Big Little Lives and <clears throat> reading both your books uh, and that the sort of darker foreboding sense that I got from both of them it's the same with Big Little Lies right and it's that it, it's that something that you can't necessarily place but the whole way through it's just there it's just hanging have you have you have you seen Big Little Lies yeah I just I just finished series two have yeah, you yeah. <gasps> no spoilers no spoilers, no spoilers. Okay. <laughs> and I read the book yes but I have not Liam seen Marotta, either yeah. of the series so right yes. okay I love, see, I love reading books. And in fact, the book I'm going to recommend later is very much a sense of that, that creeping dread right. that something is not quite right here and I don't know what it is. And yeah, so I would say that I sort of semi-deliberately set out to write a book um, like that. But also, from my point of view, because I don't plan, I don't really know what I'm writing until I'm writing it, that's just intrinsically there because mm. I'm putting everything sort of... I'm, balancing plates in the background just thinking I'm not quite sure what that means yet that's going to mean something at some point so there's all this stuff that I put out there and I'm not sure what its role it's going to play in the story but I know that it's building a sense of discomfort and something's not right is it him is it her you know who's the person who's creating this this sense of um discomforting sort of atmosphere yeah. but yeah so it's I love that but I can't say I do it deliberately. It just happens because that's how I write. And because you don't actually because I don't know. actually know what I'm doing. That's exactly. amazing, right? Yes, yes. yeah. And so, when you, do you would you get an idea or a germ of an idea just and then just start? That's exactly just what start I writing. Do. That's yeah. literally what I do. I don't write a word on the page Can until I... I write chapter one and then I start. Wow. Can I ask, yeah. when you do your, uh, with your publisher, when you have the sit down, do you say like like the germ of the idea or do you say, trust me? I got this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. That's and cool. I've been not. Not everybody's allowed to do that. Not We've written seventeen books, so yes. they're probably at the stage where they're yes. like, she, she has. Well, got I kind this. of yes. I'll, I'll sort of. I, I, yeah. If I've got a good enough. No, generally it is just I've got an idea and I'm going to go off and write it. Yes, trust me. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's exactly. Great. Yeah. But I do often come to my editor, sort of fifty thousand words in, and say, okay, can you read it now and just mm. make sure that you know that I'm going in the right direction. Yes. I'm not doing yeah. something horribly wrong here. Um, but yeah. See, that's fascinating. I just I just think that there, there are other authors who, who do that too. And, yet, and then there's the sort of the other extreme yes. of the, you know, plotting. White, and the, the wall of post-its. The wall of post-its. Yeah. post-its you know, yes. like someone like Maggie O'Farrell, who I know does that, you know, yeah. needs, needs it all laid out. But mm. um, I've got friends who colour codes in a notepad. So wow. there's like, like blue for emotional unrest. There's red for... Oh, my for, God romance oh, wow. and, and so she makes sure that there's, there's equal amounts yeah. of the colours and you know God. and I know another writer who writes what before she writes books she writes what she describes as a reader's journey wow, so she writes the so... book from the point of view of the person reading it so that to make sure that she's giving them what they need when they need it wow and then she, oh, it's extraordinary. Yeah, because that almost sounds like screenwriting. Yes. Mm. Like um, having all the ingredients and then finally putting them yeah. together. Yeah, exactly. I'm more like you. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I just, I have a, a sort of sort of central question I want to address yes. and I just go for and it. And then you go yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah, because it's all in there. That's, the, yeah. that's, the, that's yeah. and you know, I can tell you 17 books down the line um, that it is, it's yeah. just there. Just you just out. need to just get it on the page and then it will suddenly appear. And then you like sort of magic. go back and, mm. and tidy it up. Yes, of course you do. Right, okay. Exactly, yeah. yes. And yeah, I, I actually, actually love editing. Yeah, I usually do my timeline maybe like on the sort of final copy edit. Yes. Like, yes. To make sure I've got all the days of the week, right? And Correct. And people <laughs> arriving at the right times. Yeah. Correct. That's exactly what I do. I do the first draft and then I work out that everything's happened at the right time. Yeah. 
yeah. and the people of the right age. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yes, that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mentioned a date earlier. I'm yeah. sure I need to just exactly. track it back. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, well, Lisa, can you tell us a little bit more about your characters in this latest book, then yeah. Libby, Lucy, Clemency? Where did they come from? Well, that, that's a very good question, actually, because the family upstairs is... I wrote it for Lucy because I saw Lucy when I was on holiday in the south of France two summers ago. I was sitting in one of those very posh beachfront, um, like a beach club restaurant. Mm, yes. Where they, they zhuzh you with little jets of water <laughs> while you're eating. We, yeah, so it was, we were sitting there having lunch and I saw this bedraggled but rather middle class looking woman dragging two small children across the back of the restaurant towards the shower block at the back, which is reserved for the use of patrons and members. Um and I suspect there was not a very interesting story behind this woman dragging her children into the shower block, but I just, I don't know, for some reason it just captured my imagination and I just couldn't stop thinking about her and I decided I wanted to write a book about her. I also, at the same time, wanted to write a book about a big old weird house. So those are like, you know, there's two main ingredients yeah. that you start with, was her and this big old weird house. So I very much, it was, it was about her. And then once I got the big old house, I knew I wanted it to have a really, really dark backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had to decide how I was going to tell that backstory. And then Henry appeared, um, who at the start of the book is a 12-year-old, 11-year-old boy. He's just about to leave primary school. He thinks his whole world is about to open up when he goes to secondary school. And then this weird family move in and everything gets very, very dark. And he never gets to go to secondary school. Poor Henry. Um, and then, yeah, and then Libby. So I needed this sort of um, the lighter character um, and the detective. I don't do detectives. I don't do police procedure, but I needed my detective. Mm. So Libby is going to be my detective. And she's a girl who's selling kitchens in St. Albans at the beginning of the book. And um, she finds out on her 25th birthday that she she knew she was adopted as a baby, but she finds out on her 25th birthday that her birth parents had held um, a house in trust for her for her 25th birthday and it is an eight bedroom house and Cheney Walk in Chelsea which of course is the same house that Henry has been mm. telling us about mm. so yes it's just a matter of finding out something that you want to write about and then you try you find a way of peopling it and, and you know decide who's going to tell mm. wh- which side of the story The house has become quite uh, a recognisable character in fiction, of yes. you know, it's it's. I've, yes. I've read a lot of great books recently, yes. which have centred around Absolutely. the home, um, and this is no exception. You know, yeah. this it's it's very much, a, and I think possibly the reason why we get that sense of foreboding, or we or we we feel a bit uh, out of our comfort zone, is because we think of our house yeah. as the safe place. You right? expect to be safe in your home. Exactly. That's it's perfect. Just the perfect way to just shake yeah, it up. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and then that you've just uh, people have asked about this before, and I've, yes, you've just succinctly explained exactly why lots of writers like setting psychological thrillers in houses because of precisely that. And it just works. Yeah, it? It just yes, works. it does. Yeah. And we were talking about Big Little Lies, or I was certainly, uh, which is my sort of current obsession, especially Reese Witherspoon. And she's optioned your book. Yeah, yeah, she has. Which yeah. is a pretty that is big deal, amazing. isn't it? Very exciting. Yes. Sorry about you, <laughs> Reese Witherspoon. Incredible. So what? What? What's? What does that mean? She just she just calls you up, does she, and says, um, uh, well, "I loved it." Yeah. Well, yeah. Like it was totally bizarre because I didn't know that um, my agent was uh, sending it out to people yet. It, it wasn't a book yet. It was a manuscript. I hadn't even done the final edit on it. Um, and um, I got a phone call from my agent at about 10 o'clock at night. She was like, 
sit down. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what's wrong? Um, and uh, she said, uh, okay, it's not sorted out yet, but um, somehow Reese Witherspoon got a copy of your manuscript and um, she really, really likes it. Um, and she's personally ringing around all the studios in uh, LA to try and get uh, one of them to co-produce with her. It's like, okay, <laughs> so don't don't get excited yet. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was just, even the fact that she'd read it and actually enjoyed it, I was like, Jesus, wow, that's amazing because she's, you know, she's a powerhouse. But um, that was amazing. And then uh, and then there was a like an auction between uh, two studios and, and yeah, and then they picked it up. And yeah, and then I, I've spoken, it's Hello Sunshine's her production company mm. and um, they're just an amazing group of women. Uh, and I've spoken to them on the phone and we've had conversations about it. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think it could be in a safer pair of hands, to be honest. Mm. Um, I know that sometimes people are like, oh, it's my baby. But I was like, uh, Big Little Lies is brilliant. Gone Girl is brilliant. Mm -hmm. Like everything she adapts is she does such a great job. So like, yeah, it was like. It, it couldn't have been better, really. I was very, very, very lucky, very chuffed. Absolutely. Well, congratulations Thank for that. You. And we hope it comes off and we yeah, get yeah, to see too. it. Yeah, me too. But also, I think, I think a note for uh, a note for Reese Witherspoon. She doesn't need a note. But I, <laughs> I just think she's doing such good things for writers. She really is. Yeah. She's changing the narrative and she's making it. Um, I mean, even like I, I don't think it's a maybe it is a spoiler about the first series of Big Little Lies. But Nicole Kidman's character, I mean, it's such an, it's such an interesting character. And to see that kind of character on television um, and, you know, a strong woman who is amazing in her career and is like an alpha sort of female. And yet she still has these problems, you know, and just to, 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 to frame it in that way rather than, you know, like not to do Danny standards, lovey standards, but she's not <laughs> like, she's not like Mo. She's not hitting anyone yeah. with a, an iron in the face. and. <laughs> having a cry she's you know it's um yeah she's she's really picked some interesting strong narratives mm. to to put out there and it's really exciting and a big female production team yeah on that show you know like you said as well yeah exactly um, yeah and just supporting women in that side of the arts so yeah. i just think she's we, we're all fans of reese witherspoon yeah, in this room i think her. that's what we're saying yeah. hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, so, it's, uh, it's time for the book off then. Oh, <laughs> Which Lisa is Lisa is very worried about. Yes. You really don't need to be Lisa. Oh, okay. um, this is where we're going to give you each three minutes. You don't have to use all three, uh, but you get up to three minutes to tell us about a book that you absolutely love, why you love it, and why you think we should all read it. Now, before we get into who's going first, let's just find out what books you're actually talking about. So, Lisa, what have you brought to talk about for the book off? I have brought a book called The Hidden Girl by Louise Miller. Fantastic. And Catherine, what's your choice? Um, I've brought a book called Some by uh, neuroscientist David Eagleman. Right. So two very different books, we could say there. Um, So we need to decide who will go go first and who will go second. And also, who would like to be rung out or who would like the honk? (laughs) Uh, So, Catherine, you can decide if you go first or second. Um, I'll go first. First. Lisa's cool. happy about that, which means Lisa, you get to decide your weapon of choice. Then. Oh, I like the honk. You're going to get the oh, honk. Okay, yeah. that's oh, you. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> which means you have got that. Cool. Now I'm going to put three minutes on the clock here, uh, and when that time is up, you will be wrung out. But it's cool. over to you to tell us about some. Okay, um, some is a fiction, uh, work of fiction by neuroscientist David Eagleman. I think it's his only fiction book. Um, And it's a book of 40 very short stories. Um, And each is based on uh, a possible speculative version of what the afterlife might be like. Um, I'm really into David Eagle at the moment because um, my second book, which I'm still sort of doing the finishing touches on, is about uh, a neuropsychiatrist. So this is sort of right up my street at the moment. But um, they're just amazing little vignettes, um, like cameos of, uh, you know, what could possibly happen to us. Some of them are funny. Some of them are really sad. (laughs) Um, There's one where... uh, you relive your life, but you live it in categories. So you'll spend, uh, I don't know, 10 months sleeping or like five five years sleeping, 10 months having arguments, mm-hmm. uh, three years brushing your teeth. Uh, so that, that would be like one version of it. Um, another version, you're reincarnated, but you're reincarnated slowly backwards down the evolutionary chain. So you wake up and you're like you're a horse, and then you wake up and you're a cat. And he's just he's just so clever. Obviously, he's in he's a neuroscientist. Um, but yeah, I would just like to read uh, a little bit of one of them, one of the versions of the afterlife. And this is called Mary. When you arrive in the afterlife, you find that Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley sits on a throne. She is cared for and protected by a coven of angels. After some questioning, you discover that God's favourite book is Shelley's Frankenstein. He sits up in the night with a worn copy of the book clutched in his mighty hands, alternatively reading the book and staring reflectively at the night sky. To understand his outpouring of feelings, you must understand the trajectory of God's medical career. God discovered the principles of self-organisation by experimenting with yeast and bacteria. But then, unwittingly, 
He crossed his Rubicon. He created man, his most prized possession, his treasure, pride, showpiece, obsession. He quickly discovered he had less control than he thought. There were simply too many of them, and he tried to make good things come to good people and bad to bad people, but he didn't have the technology to implement it. And throughout all of this, the voices of man reached him with pleas for help and treaties for aid from one another, but he plugged his ears and howled against the cries of pillaged villages, the supplications of Auschwitz. And this is why he now locks himself in his room and at night sneaks out onto the roof with Frankenstein, reading it again and again, how Dr. Victor Frankenstein is taunted by his merciless monster across the Arctic ice. The god consoles himself with the thought that all creation necessarily ends in this. Creators powerless, fleeing from the things they have wrought. <laughs> Yay! Such a, a, a short-looking book as well. It I is mean, so short, and each story is about two pages, so it's a great wow. just-before-bed read. Yeah. Just have a little... Uh, so yeah. is, it, is it a collection of short stories? Is that, is yeah, that how it's, it would be pitched? It's, um, it's, it's told... For, it's, it's sort of the sub-strap sort of uh, the strap line is 40 Tales from the Afterlife. Mm. So, uh, yeah, they're just each tiny little versions of what we might expect. Well, well done. You've done your you've done your Thanks. pitch there. Now. It was a great one. How well are you feeling, done. Lisa? I'm wishing I'd found a piece to read because that would have killed <laughs> off a minute. <laughs> um, I just have to blather on a bit. Blather away. Okay. Um, I've put three minutes back on the clock Thank for you. you then. So it's over to you to tell <clears throat> us about the hidden girl. Over to you. Okay. Uh, yes, yeah, so persuading people to do things um, it does not come naturally to me. I'm much more of a believer that people should find their own path through life, um, use their instincts and their intuitions. Um, so, yeah, my natural instinct would be to say, I've read a great book. You might like it. You might not. Um, and this book, The Hidden Girl by Louise Miller, has got an average star rating on Goodreads of 3.5. So what can you say? <laughs> I loved it. Lots of people did not love it quite as much as I loved it. Um, if there's one compelling reason why you should read this book um, is that it's, well, it's clearly an excellent book, otherwise I wouldn't be talking about it right now, but I personally don't think nearly enough people read it. Um, at the time it's one of those books you just think why wasn't this a bestseller I don't understand why this wasn't a bestseller and so Louise Miller's first novel was called The Playdate um, and that was a very big seller at the time and I would actually say that it was possibly possibly certainly among the first possibly the first of the current sort of crop of domestic noir thrillers um, she's an absolutely fantastic writer um, and with this one, she really pushed beyond um, that sort of more commercial sort of London urban setting um, into what we were talking about earlier about the sort of sense of foreboding and creeping dread. So The Hidden Girl um, is about Hannah and Will. <clears throat> They're a cool urban couple. who have got everything but a baby. Um, they're very close to the end of the gruelling adoption process, but fearful that their tiny London flat and inner city lifestyle might prove a stumbling block for them as they're assessed as potential parents. So on a whim, they buy a dilapidated manor house in the middle of the countryside in Suffolk. Um, and then what happens is, so he's still, Will is still working in London. Hannah is doing the house up for the visit from the adoption agencies. And then it snows. And this is not normal London snow or English snow. This is Arctic snow. It's quite sort of suspend your disbelief type of snow that stops everything which means that Will can't but get back to the house and Hannah is stuck in this house in the countryside in Suffolk and 
the the lady from the adoption agency is coming to visit and there are really, really weird things going on. She can hear footsteps overhead. There are people in the house at the end of the road who keep coming up and saying extraordinarily unsettling weird things to her. Um, it just gets more and more claustrophobic. Will seems more and more distant. The snow gets deeper and deeper. She's more and more trapped. And it's yeah, it gets the hair standing up on on end uh, on your arms when you're reading it because it's so creepy and so cold and intense, and yeah, unputdownable. Well done. <laughs> you breathe a really, really, really <laughs> big sigh of relief there at the end of it. <laughs> I am so two, relieved. Two minutes fifty-six. Oh, I could have gone Brilliant. on. You could even four more <laughs> seconds. Um, wow, both brilliant, brilliant pictures. Gosh, do you just even you just talking about that was making me creep out a little bit. You know? Oh, it's one of the creepiest yeah. books I've ever read. And then when you find out what the creepy thing is, it's mm. even creepier than you thought it was going to be. Oh, yes. God. Yes. Because that's one thing that is, you know, that is a real skill in itself yeah. to, to, to be able to get a reader to have the hair standing up and yes. feel scared, yes. you know. And obviously she does it really well. Yeah, it's fantastic. Book. I don't know of this one. But I do remember the play date. Yes, the play date was really a commercial success mm. um, and an excellent book. But this is in another league entirely, and it just—I think it's a, just a terrible shame that so few people read it. Yeah. Um. It, yeah. It should have sold bucket loads. Bucket loads. <laughs> and now it will. <laughs> <laughs> well, after that pitch, yeah. I think a, a fair few people are going to want to pick that up. Actually. So it's called that. That's the Hidden Girl, and by. Louise Miller. Yes, and it came out in 2015. Okay, yes. I was, yeah, I was wondering. What, yeah. So it's it's a, a few years. A few old years now. old, yes. And yes. and uh, have you read quite a lot of her stuff then? Have, have you well, I've read all four of her novels, and I, as far as I'm aware, she's not writing novels anymore. Oh right. So yeah, oh, yeah, yeah okay. I could be wrong. She might be, you know, working away on she one right now. Might have a new pen name or. Yes, possibly, mm. possibly. There's nothing on the Amazon page for her suggesting there's anything coming up, but. Louise, if you're out there, I'm waiting. <laughs> Lisa's waiting, I'm Louise. Waiting could for you, another one. Could you just please, yes. you know, hurry it along? Um, and Catherine, I loved mm. loved hearing about some by David Eagleman. Um, yeah. Someone gave me that book. <gasps> Did they? Yes, many years ago. Uh huh. I mean, three. Yeah, I mean, I've had it, I've had it for about ten years. I think. I'm ready. It's it's so good. It's you know it's, it's perfect tiny. for and it's like tiny. I, know. I don't know like bedtime. Just put it by the uh, by the bed or take it on the plane with you. Yeah, in between toilet. films on the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. If that's your bag, yeah. Mm. Couple of pages. <laughs> Couple of pages. <laughs> I love. I, I say I say this all the time. I do love little short story. I love dipping yeah. in because I find if I start getting into a book at night. Um, if I'm really loving it, it's it's a very hard thing to try and stay awake because I want to, yes, but then I yeah, also yeah. need to go yeah, to... Yeah, it's you like know, box setting, isn't it? It's yeah. exactly that. Yeah. And, and the feeling of, God, I don't want to put it down, but I've really got to go to sleep. But, Have mm. you read Your Father Sends His Love by Stuart Evers? No, I oh, haven't. Oh, you must. Right, if you I'll like short stories, that. it's one of the most... Yeah, beautiful short story collections I've ever read. Your Father, Your sends, father his sends His Love. Your Father Sends His Love. Stuart Evers, okay. absolutely yeah. superb. Right. Um, it's just it's just a great thing for like yeah like you yeah. say for planes just to break up the yeah. whatever Cause else I, you're doing because it was a toss up between some and Shirley Jackson's Dark Tales mm. which are also brilliant but I just um, I, I went with this because I just think it's like I, I think less people have heard of David Eagleman I mean everyone's heard of Shirley Jackson yeah um, but yeah her stories are great it's like watching the Twilight Zone isn't it it's just brilliant yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, I mean, there's two very different and brilliant sounding books there. 
Another hard. Thanks for giving me a really hard choice, uh, oh. both of you. <laughs> so I think, though, basing I'm basing it on the pitch, basing it on the pitch, basing it on the pitch. Oh. We're gonna take home today. We're gonna take home the hidden girl. Oh, for the creepiness. Yes. Oh, and yay. for the fact that we want Louise Miller to write yes. another, another book. book. Yes, exactly, yeah. yes. Uh, but now, now I'm definitely going to go and find the copy that my friend gave me of some yes. four years ago and handed yes. it over and said, you'll really like this. Okay. And I said, thank you so much. Put it in my bag, took it home, put it on the shelf. And then I've sort of forgotten about it <laughs> yeah. until you just talked about it then. Mm. Uh, and I might keep that uh, next to my bed, I think. Nice. Um, thank you both so much for, for joining me, for for bringing your books to uh, put into the book of. You said, Catherine, you were writing your next novel. So this is something for 2020. Yeah, it's out in January. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, I've just done the final um, proof edit, which is just the spelling mistakes, basically. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, uh, and that is, um, it's another psychological thriller um, about, it's based on um, a news story from 2005 of the Kent Piano Man. Do you remember that? Mm. Um, a guy was found on uh, a beach in uh, in Sheppey uh, wearing a, an evening suit um, with no labels in it, and he couldn't remember who he was. And uh, and then this huge like media sort of circus uh, started around him. It's sort of based on that, but the payoff at the end is is is, is hopefully slightly more satisfying than the real life story. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the beauty of fiction. That is indeed the beauty of fiction. Uh, And Lisa, are we looking to book 18 soon? Yes, I started book 18 quite some time ago and don't seem to have got very far with it just yet. Um, I'm at 15,000 words, but don't tell my editor. (laughs) Uh, Yes, maybe I'll need a whiteboard and some post-its. But yes, it's uh, it's coming out. It'll be coming out again this time next year. This time next year. Yes, I've still got a few months. You've got time. I've got time. I just need to get on with it. You know, it'll come. It'll come. It will. I always see. That's the thing. 17 books down, you know. The only thing you know is that it'll (laughs) come. come. (laughs) Well, we look forward to both of those. But in the meantime, uh, both of your current books are absolutely fantastic I can't recommend them enough Something in the Water by Catherine Stebbin is published by Simon and & Schuster and it's out now in paperback and The Family Upstairs by Lisa Jewell is out now too published by Century Lisa, Catherine thank you so much for joining me thank you thanks for having us catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.